can't ride on my little red wagon. You can't ride on my little red wagon. Front seat's broken in the wicket, the wicket, the wicket, the wicket. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is the Nick Bartlett Show. This is a Sports Pack 12 original. So don't forget it, y'all knuckleheads. If you didn't figure it out by the title, my name is Nick Bartlett. I'm the broadcast manager here at Sports Pack 12. I'm also a staff writer at Oregon Sports News. I've had my articles featured in the Seattle PI, 750 The Game, and Go Local PDX, and a bunch of other random media outlets and places and shenanigans and all like that. This is a sports show about Pac-12, current events, affairs, obviously the action of the field, and the conference in totality. Thank you for tuning in. If you're new to the show, if you've been here for a long time, eh, maybe thank you. Nah, nah, thank you for coming on. And without further ado, let's get to some Pac-12 action. Welcome back to the Nick Bartlett Show, everybody. And what a week it was for Pac-12 hoops. Feels like the tournament's been going on a lot longer because of all the success we had in one weekend. In one weekend, our entire reputation, our conference's entire hoops reputation... That ish has been flipped so quickly, and one analyst, I think I think his name's like Nick Bartlett, was completely wrong about the Pac-12. I'm extremely happy that I was wrong. Just it's it's beautiful. It is beautiful. The Pac-12 is balling. We got four teams in the Sweet 16, and I'm feeling good. I know y'all feeling good out there. I've had some collaboration with some fans out there on Twitter. We're all feeling freaking phenomenal. So on today's episode. I'm going to talk about something related to Pac-12 hoops. I haven't even decided yet. <laughs> we're going to be talking about the tournament, obviously. After that, we're going to be joined again by Stephen Villardo. And he is a contributor at Cirque, as well as a contributor here at Sports Pac-12. He's going to give you a very nice deep dive statistically on some of the Sweet 16 matchups. And maybe even a little bit of other outside information. And to end the show, as always, baby, as freaking always, baby, we'll end today's show with Bartlett's random the topic of the day. I'm going to kick it down to Steven very soon here. I got one tidbit that I do want to get off my mind. I've seen some high authority Pac-12 officials. Hey, I, I consider myself high authority too, you know what I'm saying? But some high authority Pac-12 analysts out there talking about how the schedule's unfair and we got this USC and Oregon matchup. Please stop, dude. Please freaking stop. Our team is good. Our team is good. See, I'm angry. Our team is good. That doesn't make no sense. Our conference is doing good. Can we just leave it at that and leave the NCAA and tournament projections and tournament predictions and seeding? Can we leave all of that out for now and just enjoy the fact that our teams are balling? We have four teams in the Sweet 16. We have the Oregon State Beavers. And you're talking about seeding right now at the NCAA? Give the kids their shine. We got Ethan Thompson. We got Jared Lucas. Give them boys some shine. We got Chris Duarte. Give him some shine. Give Evan Mobley some shine. It could be his last game ever in a Trojan uniform this weekend. Who in the heck else am I forgetting? I ain't forgetting the Bruins. Give Jaime Hawkins some shine. Give Tiger Cable some shine. Give Jules Bernard some shine. Give Cody Riley some shine. All right. Y'all getting it. The Pac-12 is balling. All your analysts out there are not focusing on the great performance by these kids. Are you even an analyst? Come on now. 
Step your stuff up. We're better than that as a media community. And with that, Pac-12 still balling, baby. Still a great weekend. And I'm going to kick it right now down to Steven. So do your thing. And very excited to hear your statistical insights. Thanks, Nick. Tell you what, we are getting into what I think is the best round of the tournament, the Sweet 16. Normally, it works itself out. You get the upsets in the first round, second round, things kind of work themselves out. And then the the Sweet 16, you get the really, really good basketball games. And I think we're going to get that again this year. There were some, uh, obviously, the upsets didn't necessarily work themselves out this year in the second round, but uh, I I do think we're going to have some good games. I think some of the upsets could have been some misseedings, which I think think Oregon was perhaps maybe the – the biggest misseeding of all in the tournament as a seven, but that's for neither here nor there. And, and talking about those upsets uh, this year, the number of uh, the seed numbers for the remaining 16 teams in the sweet 16 adds up to 94, which is the highest total that we've ever seen uh, since the NCAA tournament expanded to 64 teams back in 1985. The previous record was was uh, 89 a total of 89 in 1986. Uh, last time we were here two years ago in, in 2019, that total was 49. So it's almost chalk, really. I think 40 would have been chalk. Uh, so two years ago, it was the fifth seed at Auburn Tigers and uh, the Oregon Ducks as a 12 were the uh, only things preventing the Sweet 16 from being straight chalk. Uh, in, in 2018, it was 85, so a little bit higher back then. <clears throat> But we talked about the 12th seeded Oregon Ducks from uh, two years ago. This year, it's the Oregon State Beavers who are the 12th seed. And they just keep on winning. It's good to see. Great story as well. But they're attempting to become just the second 12th seed to ever advance to the Elite Eight. Uh, the other was Missouri in 2012. And that year, the Tigers knocked off uh, UCLA, who was the 8th seed in the Sweet 16. And that meeting between the, the Bruins and Tigers was the only prior meeting in NCAA tournament history between an 8 seed and a 12 seed. So, of course, the Beavs, as the 12, are meeting an 8 seed this year in Loyola on Saturday at Bankers Live Fieldhouse. So we will see if the 12s can stay perfect over the 8s in the NCAA tournament all time. And a big thing that will go a long way for the Beavers is uh, – getting to the free throw line and knocking down shots. That's what they did against Oklahoma State. 40% of their points against the Cowboys came from the foul stripe, 40%. On the season, uh, the Beavers are have scored 21.3% of their points from the free throw line, which is 42nd in the nation. Uh, might not be as easy t- uh, coming up against Loyola because on the season, the Ramblers – uh, their opponents are only getting 14.1% of their scoring from the foul stripe, which is the 14th lowest rate in the nation. <clears throat> Obviously, Oregon State's been getting to the line this tournament, and they've gotten fouled on 29.1% of their possessions in this tournament. Loyola, on the other hand, has only committed a foul on just 21.3% of opponent possession possessions this tournament. So, like I said, the Beavers' ability to get to the foul stripe will certainly be a key in that game. Another thing that Oregon State did well against o- Oklahoma State was blocking shots. They were all over it. 16.9% of Oklahoma State's shots got blocked. Block shot rate of 169 
for Oregon State. Uh, Roman Silva and uh, De'Aaron Tucker had four each for the Beavs in that game, four block shots. Really did a good job. Loyola, on the other hand, has seen only 5.5% of their shots get blocked this year. That's about a, the middle of the road nationally. Uh, the Ramblers are, I think it's about 182nd in the nation. Uh, another good thing, the Beavers have been doing extremely well, not only in the tournament, but during their current five-game win streak is, is hitting the boards. 55% is their total rebound rate in their last five games. And they're also shooting threes ridiculously well, 42.1% during the current five-game win streak, while opponents are just shooting 25.2% over the last five uh, talked about the rebounds and, uh, Alatiche is averaging 10 rebounds per game to go along with 10.4 points per game during their five game win streak. And during the tournament, Ethan Thompson is averaging 19 and a half points, eight and a half rebounds. So really coming up big, uh, interestingly with the Beavers knocking off Oklahoma state, that was the fourth ranked team that they beat this year for Loyola. It goes through Cameron, uh, Crutwig. I think I said that right. Uh, he's making 1.811 defensive plays per foul committed. So that'd be steals and block shots. 1.81 of those per foul this season, which is the 11th highest rate in the nation and the fourth highest among players in the tournament. So that will be a key for the Ramblers. But I see Oregon State moving on in this one. They're hot. I think they're going to stay hot. I think it's a good matchup for them. So I, I see the Beavers extending the run. And I, I certainly hope they do because they are a great story in the tournament. And I, I think they'll they'll move on in this one. Uh, I got to assume they're going to play Houston then. And I think the Cougars might be too much defensively for the Beavers, but that's something to talk about <clears throat> at a later time. Uh, the next game for the Pac-12 this weekend is UCLA and Alabama. And UCLA has turned the ball over on just 10.2% of possessions in the NCAA tournament game. So in their three games, just 10.2%. That's the third lowest of any team in the NCAA tournament this season, this tournament. And it's the lowest rate of any team that's still around in the Sweet 16. So this figure is also better. It's an improvement for the Bruins from their season rate, which was 15.7%. And that rate of 10.2% during this tournament run includes the, the Bruins game against Abilene Christian. The Wildcats led the nation this year, forcing turnovers at a rate of 26%. On 26% of opponents' possessions, they were forcing a turnover. UCLA just committed a turnover on 12.8% in that game, so really came up big against Abilene Christian in that regard. And that's a tough defensive Abilene Christian team that does does force some turn had been forcing turnovers, so that was good to see. And the Bruins are going to have to continue that against, against Alabama. Uh, the Crimson Tide are forcing a turnover on 20.3% of possessions this season, but that has dipped down to 13.5% during the tournament. So they've been off a little bit defensively from where they were all season. It's hard to say any team that's gone 11 and one in their last 12 has been off, but that's what they, they are at least down in the tournament, which is a good sign. Could be a good sign for the Bruins. Uh, one thing Alabama does and they do it well, usually is, Shoot the three. 40.1% of, of the Crimson Tide's points this year have come off of three-pointers. 
has the 15th highest rate in the nation. And among teams still playing, only Oral Roberts has a higher rate at 41%. The next closest team to those two that's still in Sweet 16 is Oregon, and the Ducks are getting 33.9% of their points from behind the arc. So quite a bit of difference between uh, where Alabama and Oral Roberts are compared to the rest of the team still playing. And obviously this is going to be a huge factor in this game. Uh, 32.4% of the points UCLA has allowed this season has come off of three-pointers, and that was 239th in the nation. So that's going to be huge. So uh, how Alabama hits them and how, how UCLA can defend them. And talk about how many they've shot. They've shot 960. This is Alabama. We're talking about 961 three-pointers on the season. And when they're going in, that's fine. But any team that shoots that many threes, you got to think there could be trouble when they're not going in. And the numbers have kind of played out. They're shooting 36.8% on three-pointers in 26 wins this year. In their six losses, Alabama has shot just 28.8% on threes. And they, I like one of their games, they we were three for 22 in one of the losses from deep. Uh, UCLA, on the other hand, has allowed opponents to shoot 34.2% on threes throughout the season. But in the tournament, just 24.1% opponents three-point shooting during the, the Bruins three tournament games. So that could bode well. UCLA is going to have to continue that kind of defensive effort against Alabama to move on. And I think you, you see it there. UCLA definitely has a path to winning this one, and, and it's definitely possible, uh, especially with – I mean, they were a good team. They just hit their, their losing skid at the end of the year and kind of dropped in a lot of people's minds. I do think uh, Alabama may be a little bit too explosive offensively in this one. I, I think the tide might move on and then uh, probably get a win over, over either Michigan or Florida State to advance to the Final Four. But uh, if UCLA can shut down on those threes, they will be in good shape. <clears throat> the final final Pac-12 game of the Sweet 16, final game of the Sweet 16, uh, it's, it's the big one, U- Oregon and USC. And on the season, uh, USC is missing an average of 7.65 free throws per game. That's 330th in the nation. It's easily the most of any team in the Sweet 16. The next closest is actually Gonzaga at 5.9. Uh, which is 258th nationally for the for Gonzaga. So uh, USC's missed eight of them per game in the last five. So free throws could be huge for USC. Uh, first meeting between the team, the only meeting between the teams was a, a 72-58 Trojans win in, in LA a month ago, as has been talked about. Uh, in that game, Oregon actually, or I should say USC, only missed five free throws, so much better there, but not a lot of free throws total. Or, the Trojans outscored Oregon 8-5 to five from the stripe that game, so only 13, I, yeah, only 13 made free throws between the two teams. Another big issue in that one was uh, rebounding. Uh, Trojans were plus 14 on the boards versus the Ducks, and uh, offensively, Oregon had an offensive rebound rate against USC in that one of 27.2%. Uh, something that Oregon has to do better in this one <clears throat> to reverse the outcome from the first is is getting points off turnovers. In that game, USC committed 16 turnovers. So Oregon did a good job forcing turnovers, 16 of them by USC, but only converted into 14 points. That's under a point per turnover. It's uh, 0.875 points per turnover that Oregon got that game. 
it's got to be above one and one at the minimum in that one usc was actually actually had one point they were exactly one point per oregon turnover uh we talked about the defensive prowess for crutwig of loyola uh how he was fourth among players still playing well two of them are going to be in this one chris duarte is sixth nationally with 1.886 defensive plays per foul committed. Evan Mobley is third nationally, 2.204 defensive plays per foul. And he's actually second nationally with 1.722 blocks per foul. So obviously Mobley, defensive player of the year for a reason, and Duarte in the conversation for a reason as well. A big key to this one, we talked about the block shots by Mobley. On the season, USC is limiting opponents, not just on block shots, but on on non-block two-pointers. Non-block two-point field goals, opponents are shooting just 47.9% against the Trojans this year. That's the fifth best rate in the nation uh, defensively. During the the tournament here, the Trojans have been even better, just 38.2% against them on non-blocked two-point field goal attempts. So really doing well there. On the other side of it, Oregon against Iowa, they were just lights out and shot almost 70% on non-blocked two-point field goals against the Hawkeyes. And actually in the last three games, the Ducks are shooting 64.8% on non-blocked two-pointers, which is up from their season rate of 57.6%. So definitely something to watch in that one, in which I think should just be a fantastic game. And I really hope it is. Uh, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on this one, and I still might in the next couple days change my mind again. But as of right now, I'm thinking I'm thinking the Trojans get through on a tight one, and I think they will actually follow that up with a win over Gonzaga as well. Uh, be quite honest with you, I think either of these teams, Oregon or, or USC, will get by Gonzaga or, or Creighton for that matter. Um, I do like USC's matchup with the Bulldogs a little bit better than the way the Ducks match up. But that, again, could be for another one. And since I, I covered three of the four, we'll, we'll just go with the fourth one. I'd, I'd really, with no Pac-12 teams in it, I'd love to see Syracuse versus Oral Roberts in the Elite Eight. But I think it's going to be Baylor, and I think it's going to be Arkansas, both getting the dubs in the Sweet 16. And then I think the Bears will move on to the Final Four for what it's worth. Um, but again, Nick, for me, this is the best round of the tournament coming up, the Sweet 16. Four games each day. This year we get to see them all uh, with the Saturday-Sunday layout instead of Thursday-Friday. No flipping back and forth. Some of the East Coast people, not quite as late of a night perhaps. Uh, but yeah, again, just a great round of tournament. And then you get the intensity of the Elite Eight, which is always great. The Elite Eight, so intense every year. So, Nick, enjoy the games, and hopefully we'll have some Pac-12 teams to talk about again next week, and I look forward to doing this again. Steven, I will definitely enjoy the games. Looking at the schedule this week, as you just briefly mentioned, it is perfect for my schedule, man. I work a second job. Uh, I can kind of pick up shifts. I have a lot of tenure at this place I work, so I can kind of pick up shifts uh, pretty much when I want. So I was able to work around the Pac-12 schedule this week, and right when I saw the Beavers were on Saturday, I believe it was 11.30, I was like, yup, I can pick up a shift. I can watch the game. Sunday, we got two separate games, different times, watching them in totality. So seriously, those are little things. But as a basketball coach, 
I strongly prefer watching every single basket of every game. So that that just really resonates with me. I'm really excited about it. Last week, guys, you y'all y'all understand, y'all know what it is. Like I was watching the UCLA Michigan State game and it went into overtime. And I work in the morning. I had to go to sleep. I had to go to sleep. Like I had to start getting ready for bed. I mean, I I tuned in enough to know that my dude Juzang got hot and put a couple key baskets down at OT to seal the victory. But I had to start getting ready for the nighttime routine. So the game schedule is absolutely perfect. It flows, and I'm very excited. And all of us in Pac-12 Nation, this is our last chance to really watch, realistically, probably, I'd say two of the teams. I'll get to those two a little bit later. Obviously, we're going to have USC or Oregon eliminated. But I do want to touch on that matchup right now. And looking at USC, Oregon, you can forget the stats just because of how bad USC beat Oregon the last time they played. I believe it was the last time they played. But looking at this matchup this time, I'm thinking the Ducks are ready. Even with the Trojans' absolutely phenomenal just destruction of the Jayhawks, uh, I did not see that coming at all. I think that Oregon is still the best team in the Pac-12. I said it from before the season. Maybe not before the season. I said it before the tournament. And the combination of Chris Duarte, LJ Figueroa, and who else we got there? Eugene from Eugene, as Bill Walton would say. <laughs> they are truly phenomenal. And when I look at the Trojans, I love Taj Edie. I don't know if he'll be ready for this matchup. Obviously, Evan Mobley is going to get the job done or impact the game in multiple facets. I do think a key element maybe. If Isaiah Mobley can step up his scoring and put down maybe a 15 or 20 piece, I think the Ducks could be in trouble. Will that happen? Obviously, we got to wait and see if that happens. Bottom line is, this is a showcase for the Pac-12. And I know that there may be, as you heard me at the opener being really pissed off, there may be some media analysts out there like pissed off and thinking, you know, like the NCAA like perfectly skewed it so these teams would meet. I don't think many Pac-12 fans, myself definitely, but many Pac-12 fans around the country, not just the West Coast, realistically thought that we'd both get USC knocking off Kansas and Oregon knocking off Iowa. So to say that this was purposely done, I think that's a load of crap. But what we do have here, again, is just such a showcase of the Pac-12's two most, I want to say talented teams, hand down. UCLA without Chris Smith doesn't fit the mold and Oregon State's miraculous run is just that, miraculous. Maybe not miraculous, they played some heck, of, some hell of ball. But you're looking at the two top teams here talent-wise in the Pac-12. Recruits, NBA players, and such, and the like, and more is so, and less than him and there, and who and how and why. And getting this on a national stage, I believe it's Sunday night, sometime around 6, 6.30 p.m., this is huge for the conference. And whether the East Coast people stay up or not, most fans are going to recognize the name Oregon, whether it's from football or basketball. The Ducks have a very prestigious reputation. And USC is an LA school. Doesn't matter that they're not UCLA. USC is still LA. LA is big money, big tickets, making some money for the sponsors. So this is a national showcase and an opportunity for the Pac-12 to really show what it has. I hope we get a high scoring, back and forth, hard fought, Tough defensive game. And when I say high score, I mean high scoring, but I still want to see defense actually being played. Thinking that's pretty probable with Evan Mobley and Chris Duarte out there. So it's going to be fun, guys. This is what 
we dreamed of as Pac-12 fans. Would we prefer these teams meet in the championship? Yeah, obviously. But to have them in the Sweet 16, well, we got it now. Let's enjoy and have a heck of a lot of fun watching it. My prediction, what do you guys think I'm going to say here? I kind of hinted it at the top. I'm going with the Ducks. I cannot count out the Ducks. This team has had the, the looks to me as the best team in the conference for quite some time. Actually, since their last loss to USC when they're outsized and outmatched really in every facet of the game. I mean, they got playing dominated. But the Ducks to me are just the best coach team, have maybe slightly less talent than the Trojans, but are better team top to bottom. You got to love Dana Altman and his press on defense. Could force a couple turnovers from a guy like Taj Eady, a guy like Drew Peterson, maybe Ethan Anderson. And all of these factors combined, I think the Ducks win. The Trojans are solid, but their inconsistency all year, I just wouldn't bet on them myself. So that's going to be my prediction for the game. I'm having the Ducks roll with it. Moving ahead here, we got the Oregon State Beavers. Bro, I picked against this team like four weeks in a row, dude. I picked against them going back to the Pac-12 tournament. I thought they'd lose to UCLA. I thought they'd lose to Oregon. I gave them a slight chance on that one, but I still picked Oregon. I picked Colorado in the conference championship. I picked, who'd they beat in the first round? I picked Tennessee in the first round. I picked Oklahoma State in the second round. And now I'm finally picking the Beavers to knock off Loyola Chicago and Sister Jean. Sister Jean, heck of a story. Chomp, chomp, Beaver Nation. Let's get it done. And they have a shot to make the Elite Eight, guys. The Oregon State Beavers have a shot to make the Elite Eight. I was talking to the uh, two about it. Two about it. Two about it. Two about it. I was talking to it. I'm really having trouble saying this here. Let me slow down. I was talking to a guy at work today, and I kind of mentioned this matchup. He's like, what are you doing this week? And he's a hooper like I was, and or I am. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to watch the Oregon State game, the, the Loyola-Chicago matchup. And he didn't seem all that excited, and I can understand that coming from someone who may not be in, as invested in the Pac-12 as I am. But I was just like, yo, like the Beavers have a chance to make the Elite Eight, man. And I don't know if you really got it, like, the Beavers have been this downtrodden, terrible basketball program for pretty much as long as I can remember, with the exception of the Gary Payton 1 and 2 eras. And, wow, they have a chance to make the Elite 8. I mean, making the Sweet 16 is one thing. If you get down to that final 8 teams in the country, that's a monumental step. Even if many people may say, oh, COVID era. Nah, nah, they played the games, they won the games, they've proven me wrong Time and time and time and time again. And I hope they prove me right this week. Ethan Thompson has shown that he's a true leader. Jared Lucas continuing to shoot the ball well, well, well. And, um, yeah, just very excited for this Beavers team. We'll obviously get some cool pans of the Tinkle family in the stands. So, should be a cool matchup. Loyola Chicago's circle offense may prove difficult. As Steven touched on, they got Crutwig down low. So, the Beavers is by no means a gimme. Loyal Chicago doesn't make two runs in the last five or six years of the Sweet 16 out of nothing. But I think the Beavers, with all the confidence they've accumulated over the last two weeks, find a way to get it done. Not sure what playmakers, but obviously Ethan Thompson will probably have something to do with it. And it should also be interesting to see if Roman Silva can continue to impact the games at a high level. No one, I don't know if anyone thought that he would have improved this much over the course of one season. You could say the, you could say the same thing for Wari Thalatiche. 
but these bigs for Oregon State are probably the reason they've made such an impressive run here in March. So picking the Beavers this week, guys, they better not freaking lose them. They better not freaking lose them to pick them. And the last matchup, we got UCLA versus Alabama. Who did I pick? I think I picked Alabama. This is where I'm thinking the loss to Chris Smith, it finally catches up to them. Realistically, we I can't say we all, I thought that the Bruins were going to lose that opening round game to Michigan State. I just didn't think that they had enough without Chris Smith. And really, they just found a way to turn the tables, finally capturing a win in the final minutes. That was just great to see for the program, even though I had to get ready for bed. Uh, Juzang still making more jumpers and then hurting his ankle and then making more jumpers. But that was a just a huge just momentum-boosting win for them. And the next two matchups, I mean, I thought the Bruins were going to beat BYU, no problem. I mean, that's simple. And who was it? Abilene Christian, Texas Christian, Abilene what's, whatever their name is. I mean, no disrespect, but Abilene Christian. I mean, the Bruins were going to have no problem with that from the get-go. That's The Bruins are too good for that. Mick Cronin plays great defense. And as many turnovers as that Abilene Christian team forced with their really kind of unique defensive system, when you have a team that plays team basketball and takes smart shots, as the Bruins have done all year, that shouldn't be a problem. And that's why scheming offenses and defenses, I don't really like it basketball and or football. And the Bruins with their team-oriented attack, that, that was nothing. That was a joke to them. So I don't think they have enough to see Alabama or to beat Alabama. But Mick Cronin's teams are never going to fold. They're going to play tough defense. Just as I said about them in the Michigan State game, they're going to play hard. It's probably going to be close. Alabama's a little bit better than Michigan State, actually a lot better. But I don't see them blowing the Bruins out of the water by any means necessary. So those are my predictions. I got the Ducks knocking off the Trojans. I got the Beavers chomping all over Sister Jean. And then I got UCLA losing by like 5 to 10 points to Alabama. All right, guys. I'm still feeling good, y'all. I'm still feeling pretty darn good from this past weekend. Just as a guy who loves West Coast hoops, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And... That's it for the basketball coverage today. But seriously, let's all enjoy this. It may be over for all but one team as of this weekend, so let's enjoy it while we can. Heading into Bartlett's random topic of the day, I want to talk about humility. And this is one thing that Mick Cronin actually touched on. I don't know his exact words. We said something about Abilene Christian, how arrogance gets you beat. And that's exactly how I feel. And I don't know if I'm using myself as an example. Well, yeah, why not? Who, who else can I use as an example? I feel like when I was younger, I used to be like super cocky for like no given reason. Like I'll make a three-point on the basketball court, look around, like look at the cute girl, try and act all cool. And as I got older, you guys, it's really about humility. And that's not like hyped up in our culture. It's like you got all these rappers. And I love rap, but like you got all these rappers, you know, just like flashing their bling bling. Like, yo, I slept with 27 girls in the club. What, what? 38 girls in the club. What, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm throwing this cash around, dog. I'm throwing this cash around, dog. And there's nothing wrong with having girls like you, being with some ladies. I'm out of that for damn sure. And nothing wrong with having a lot of money. I, I love money myself. I prefer a little more money in my pocket. But you don't got to be all, like, arrogant and flashy about it. Like, keep that shit low-key. I really try not to swear there. But you know what I'm saying? Like, keep it low-key. And this just seems an element that's so often lost in our society and arrogance can come in small forms big forms i think rap was the obvious example i mean you've all seen the rap videos out there you know just money literally thrown around a strip club like good i mean if that that's their best life and that's what makes them happy more power to them to me that wouldn't make me happy i really 
prefer humbleness. And I'm going to tie this actually back into kind of our Pac-12 coverage in hoops. And this is all going to go with humility. So a lot of our well-known media members that I touched on, um, probably some contributors from the sites we work for as well. Uh, again, I love them all. No disrespect. They all got their own opinions and have made me better analysts. So again, this isn't like a personal attack for real. They've all made me better analyst, media member, podcaster, writer, and I've grown and learned from all of them. But we're acting like we haven't been there before. Like you see a lot of like Pac-12 people out there like, oh, like the Big Ten sucks now. Like I heard all this hype about the Big Ten or I heard all this hype about the Big 12. And all we're doing is acting like we haven't been there before. Instead of just enjoying the Pac-12 success and letting it stand, I think that four teams in the Sweet 16 stands for itself. I think a 30-point win over Kansas obviously speaks for itself. Oregon dominating Iowa. A team like Oregon State handling Tennessee and Oklahoma State pretty easily. That speaks for itself and nothing else needs to be said. Instead of just writing an article or having a podcast or however, whatever social media platform you're on, you could easily just focus on the the positives, man. How, As I said at the top, how good these kids are really playing and how cool it is to watch instead of just, well, all you other conferences suck more now. Like, no, they don't. There's hoopers in every conference. The Big Ten is having a bad tournament. That doesn't mean they're ba- they're like bad players or bad people. And if we really want to boost the Pac-12's reputation, instead of putting down other conferences, let's just enjoy our own. And it's a little bit frustrating because now it's going to come back to us at some level. Say the Pac-12 has another terrible football season. Now all of the Big Ten media is going to be right back on us saying the same old stuff. So instead of spreading this negativity, and negativity negativity does sell, uh, going back to humility, or negativity does sell, I don't know if, I don't know why, but it does. It's just the way the world works. So let's stick it to the positive aspects. Be humble about the Pac-12 success we had because, hey, it could all be over this weekend. It could all be over by Sunday with the exception of either Oregon or USC. Actually, they could be gone too by then this weekend. What am I saying? Every Pac-12 team could be eliminated. So remember to stay humble to the media members. Rappers out there, stay humble as well. I'm going on a long tangent. But yeah, for Bartlett's Ram Talk of the Day, just stay humble, my people. Make your money. Eat your food. Get with your lady. Maybe have a drink or two. Maybe smoke a blizzard or two. Do what you gotta do. Maybe 14 coffees. We ain't going back to the hard drug references. But seriously, stay humble. Enjoy your life in peace. And just remember, the only person you ever have to prove anything to is yourself. That's it for Dr. Nick's random topic of the day. So, uh, yeah, I'll wrap it up now, guys. But that, that was irking me a little bit. So seriously, thank you everyone for tuning in and summarizing and concluding today's episode. First off, the Pac-12, what a phenomenal weekend. Best best thing that's happened in the Pac-12 in quite some time. After that, Stephen Villardo came on from Cirque and gave us some great statistical insights into the Sweet 16 matchups. And then I ended today's show with my own picks and, of course, Bartlett's Random Topic of the Day in which we really took a look at humility from multiple angles. Thank you for tuning in as always. As Steven said at the top of the show, we got no excuse now to not watch all three games. So curl up on the couch, do what you got to do. Hopefully you're not working and enjoy the games. It's been a lot of fun. It is still March, baby. We're still in the middle of it. It's only been one week and the Pac-12s reputation has changed tenfold. For me, I'm out. Cheetos and tuna.